Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. All right, my brothers and sisters, listen. I'm going to say it again. You cannot, you cannot, you can't live dirty and expect to go to heaven. You cannot possibly even expect to inherit the kingdom of God if you are living unclean all the while claiming that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Beloved, I'm here with a message from heaven. Repent or perish. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Listen, God's lavish grace is not an excuse to sin. And if you do sin, it's because you want to sin. Sorry, but you simply cannot live however you want and still claim the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you don't listen to him. You don't follow anything he says, and you come against his messengers whose only motive in this whole operation, if you will, is to point you to the cross and tell you you must change the way you are thinking because the way you are thinking is resulting in your bad, wicked behavior and you simply cannot carry on as business as usual just like it was before 
you came to Christ Jesus. Listen, there must be a clear demarcation line drawn in the sand of how you used to live before Christ and now. It should be a stark difference. So, sorry, you cannot go on living however you want. Look, listen, we are either a slave to sin and will inherit the punishment that is associated with it, or we are slaves to righteousness and inherit the rewards associated with it. Christ Jesus died so that our past sins can be forgiven and we are no longer facing God's wrath. But a life lived in deliberate blatant sin does not lead to salvation and nothing in the Bible suggests that it would. The Father has never and will ever be happy with rebellion and blasphemy among his children. Did you hear that? We are saved by the grace of God and by grace alone. The Bible is extremely clear on this, but many people don't understand grace or what it means to follow Jesus. And that is why they ask, why can't they just live however they want and still be saved? Well, if you are being saved, it is because you have given your heart sincerely to God and a heart that has been given to God desires the things of God and does not desire to sin, period. And that is only possible because he grants us repentance. It is a work of his grace. Listen, child of God. Just because you are covered by grace doesn't mean it gives you the right to do whatever you want with your body. When you become a follower of Jesus, you don't experience autonomy. For you are not self-ruled. You become a slave to righteousness and this freedom, yes, Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding us. This freedom that we now have in Christ Jesus, well, we don't use this freedom as a smokescreen, a cover-up to continue in malicious behavior, but we use this freedom as bond servants to God. We see this in, what is it, 1 Peter 2.16. 
Oh, yes, beloved. We we become a slave to righteousness. You and I have a new master, Christ Jesus. You are no longer a slave or a child of iniquity. You have to realize, beloved, who you are now in Christ. You are no longer a slave to your sin. Why? Because Jesus has completely demolished sin's control over us. Yes, he did. Therefore, you are a slave to righteousness. You are born again. That is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. Not of seed which is perishable, but from that which is imperishable and immortal, that is through the living and everlasting word of God, according to 1 Peter 1.23. Amen. You are not your own because you have been purchased and bought at a price. Amen. And that price was Christ. For you know that you were not redeemed from your useless, spiritually unproductive way of life, inherited by tradition from your forefathers with perishable things like silver and gold, but you were actually purchased with precious blood like that of like that of a sacrificial lamb unblemished and spotless the priceless blood of Christ amen according to 1 Peter 1 verses 18 to 19 amen listen paul is clear on this in romans 5 and chapter 6 as he was talking to believers in Rome he was preaching this lavish grace on them and they get the brilliant idea oh boy should I go on abounding in my sins so the grace of God can abound even more um, no, Mm-mm. because see, this had to have been on their minds because yes, Holy Spirit, because see, Paul was telling, telling them that they are no longer under the law because see, those 613 laws of Moses, they were given to Israel and to Israel only. Therefore, Gentiles coming into the body of Christ, well, they never had that law. They never had that covenant with God. 
They knew nothing about holy God. Oh, they knew about pagan gods, little G's. But they didn't have this covenant that Israel had. And so those Jews who were um, converted, they were still struggling with whether or not they still had to keep the law in addition to grace. Because, see, the problem that was going on in some of those churches that Paul started, well, you had a bunch of Jews claiming that, yes, you still must keep the law in order to be truly saved. Because although they were converted, I'm only assuming that they wasn't too convinced about this whole grace because it seemed too good to be true. You mean to tell me I don't have to sacrifice any animals anymore? I don't have to celebrate all of these feasts and festivals. I don't have to do all of 613 commands. And Paul was like, no. In Christ, we now have grace. It's not, it's not about what you do in order to be justified in the sight of God and Again, I'm only assuming I wasn't there, but it just stands to reason that they were struggling with this new concept, if you will. And so they were confusing a lot of the Gentiles and Jews about do we keep the law or we don't? Are we saved by grace only or you know, so it was a lot of contention. And so, as he preaching on grace, he could only read their minds because they would, would have been like, oh, so just like today, so I can go on sinning, right? Because after all, um, <laughs> grace, grace, grace. And so Paul was like, uh-uh, mm-mm, nope, pretty much get that out of your heads, God forbid, that we would take his grace and use it as a license to sin. And he addressed this same issue that we see still going on today. So in their minds, their mentality was like, well, should I go on abounding in my sin so the grace of God can abound even more? Uh-uh. Because see, look, their mentality here is just like of most professing Christians today. The mentality of with multiplied sins comes multiplied grace. In order to show that God's grace is so overwhelmingly amazing, well, I'll just sin some more. And Paul's answer to this foolishness was, God forbid. Look, 
Paul said it like this. What shall we say? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. Because you see, yes, Holy Spirit, Paul was bringing them back to clarity. Because I can, I can only imagine how their flesh man was like, oh, wait a minute. Now that we are under grace, well, let's get the party started and then... Their little brains was just just tinkling. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Well, we can't outsend God's grace. So let's just see how much more abounding. Because as sin abounds, well, grace much more abounds. Again, Paul had to bring them to some clarity Basically saying, no, nah, don't even, no, nope. before you even say it, God forbid, by no means do we, do we take this as a license to sin. So, he says, or, he said, by no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, well, we too may live a new life. Amen. So Paul was like, mm -mm, do not get this twisted. Don't get it twisted. We have been buried with Christ through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, well, we too may live in this newness of life. Beloved, we have been born again. So why would we, why should we live as if it is not true? You will live as if it is not true that you have been born again when you think you can take his grace in order to continue to live wickedly as if you are getting something over on God. Listen, on our best day, we will never know the full mind, the full thoughts and the ways of God. You're not getting away with this and I don't care. How many pastors teach once saved, always saved, eternal security, grace, grace, and more grace. Listen, we must live as obedient children of God 
while we are walking and breathing in the earth. We put away all of those evil, wicked behaviors that we once walked in. Now that we are born again, the mind is being renewed. Yes, we know we have grace. Yes, we know that we have an advocate in heaven. Yes, we know that if we do commit sin, we can go to God in sincere repentance with a contrite heart, godly sorrow, confess the sin, and he's faithful to forgive us through the cleansing and washing of the blood. But we don't take that as a free pass to just go on and sinning even more after that. Because what's the point of confessing to receive forgiveness if you plan on doing it again and again and again? The mindset of that is, well... I can't ever out God's grace anyway. So you mean to tell me you honestly think that he wants you to live like this? Continuing in sin. But at the end of the day, I have eternal security. Says who? Because God never says that to anyone. Yeah, yeah, no, Cynthia, hold up, wait a minute. I got a whole bunch of scriptures about eternal life. Yes, we all know those scriptures, but those scriptures are for the obedient ones. So you can pull out everything in Galatians, everything in Ephesians, everything that Paul has ever wrote. You can, you can pull all of them out. Go ahead. Those scriptures won't do you a bit of good if you are still rolling around in your vomit. Beloved, we cannot live as hypocrites, number one. We cannot live in deception and delusion because otherwise you and I are not going to make it do you not know that everything we do whether we are a saint or a sinner is being recorded in heaven and we will stand before Jesus whether it be at the bema seat to receive rewards or at the great white throne judgment to hear how your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life and you will be thrown in this lake of fire. Or we who are born again stand before Jesus to prayfully receive all the rewards he has for us. We will all be judged. Thank God for his grace. 
that when we stand before Christ Jesus, it won't be to give an account for our sins. But some, like Paul says, will lose rewards because many, well, many, is many the right word? Well, maybe a lot. I don't know. But some of the things that we are doing supposedly in the name of Christ Jesus have wrong motives. And so all of our works will be tried by fire. And those works will be judged for the motives, whether or not we used time that he has given us to do his will or did we use that time to do our will and sadly many who claim they were casting out demons prophesying in his name doing mighty miracles in his name but all the while they were living wickedly but they thought because grace got them covered he will say, welcome into the kingdom. But Jesus says, what is that? Matthew, Matthew 7, 21. Uh-huh. And he will say to many on that day that he judges them, depart from me. I never knew you. So, beloved, listen. I told y'all. The Lord only gave me but one message on this podcast. It is to herald, cry aloud, and spare nothing. To call men and women to repentance. Change the way you think. No longer are you living in sin, but you actually have a change in your mind that you don't want to live like this. You want to come to Christ so that what he has done for us at the cross over 2,000 years ago, you can receive eternal life. Beloved, eternal life is something we all look forward to. But we must maintain this course that we are on. We must finish this race. And those who are looking for a shortcut, trying to not be on that path that is straight and narrow, but try to receive eternal life on the broad way, you're not going to make it. This is not about a works-based faith, salvation, whatever you want to call it. No. This is preparing our hearts, minds, and souls to meet the living God. And we can't do that playing all of these church games and mind games. Thinking you are going to outfox wisdom. The Bible says that Christ has been made wisdom unto us. He knows everything. <laughs> okay? He knows your heart. 
Oh, beloved, listen. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy name. You tell us in your word that no sin will enter heaven. Nothing that is unclean will enter your kingdom. We see over here in Revelation 21, 27. Jesus says, But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are, <clears throat> excuse me, who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Because, Father, we know Romans 6, 23. And if we don't know it well, we better know it. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And Father, what I love about this scripture. Now, I know a lot of people may not love <laughs> Romans 6.23. But it keeps us sober-minded. Because we see the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But there's a stark reminder right before that the wages of sin is death eternal separation from you and the sun in this lake of fire so although we see eternal life is a free gift and it is available but we must stay out of sin in order to receive it those who are truly born again does not, Father, and you know this, we don't make it a practice to go on sinning because we have you, we have your word. Your Holy Spirit lives in us, teaching us, training us to be holy. To be set apart from this world unto you for your plans and your purposes for our lives. No longer do we seek any ambition selfishly. No longer do we want to engage in anything that will bring reproach. To your holy name. No longer do we want to engage in wicked, unlawful, detestable behavior. Not anymore. And we are not looking for ways to, to sin and still inherit the kingdom of God. We're not trying to do that. And so it is a privilege and an honor 
to be able to do any and all things you have called us to do. Now, in my case, I've already gotten my assignment. I am to bring your lights to you, your wayward children, wake them up. God wants us to be holy, clean, and live pure, and to love one another as brothers and sisters, and to cry aloud to this sin-sick, dying world that they must repent, turn from their wicked ways, come to Christ, so that we can be cleansed by his shed blood, so we don't face your wrath. Oh, Father, have mercy on us because we do see John 3, 16. For you so loved the world that you gave your one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And, Father, we know this word right here believes is not simply having a mental assent about Jesus. We must have such an intimate relationship with him that we follow him and we listen to his commands and then we follow and obey those commands and teachings. And he has given his apostles instructions for us to, to learn by and to walk by. We should not be arguing with each other about the rudiments of salvation. The problem comes into play is that mm, people do not want that straight and narrow path. They want this sanctification process to be easy. They want to be able to celebrate pagan holidays, Christmas, Easter, serving a fake Jesus. Everything is love, 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 love. Everything is smooth and easy, never any persecution, never any opposition, never any test trials and tribulations. They just want to continue living a happy, a happy, a happy life. That's all I'm going to say about that. Just like like in the days of Noah and Lot, eating and drinking and being merry, all in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, Christ Jesus says in Matthew 21, 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then 
I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Oh, Father, Revelation 21.8. But as for the cowardly, Jesus is saying, the Lord Jesus says, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion, their place will be in the lake that blazes, burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Father, whew, there will be absolutely no excuse, no defense, no justification on this judgment day. Because you tell us clearly in your word, those lifestyles, those sinful lifestyles that will disqualify us from inheriting your kingdom. We see in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, or do you not know that the unrighteous, and Father Paul was speaking to believers, who were cutting up in Corinth. He was telling them, do you not know? So you better wake up. Okay. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Oh, Father, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Yep, them are your slanderers. Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Oh, Father, we know all about your grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Amen. Oh, Father, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what I love about 2 Corinthians 5.17. Oh, Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask that you continue to strengthen us as we stay in your word. We, we remain humble, joyful, at peace with one another, preaching this good, great gospel, staying out of sin, loving the brethren, and making ourselves pure and clean and ready to meet Jesus Christ on the day you call us out of these body suits. 
Oh, Father, thank you for keeping us from falling. And no, we won't take your grace as a license to sin. Using it as a loophole, a veil to to hide behind while we still in sin. And then when we get corrected, here we go calling on grace, grace. But grace teaches us to reject sin. All, all ungodliness. So that we can live godly, righteous, holy lives. That's what grace does. Grace does not make excuses and come up with a defense for sin as if sinning is okay with you. Like Paul said, God forbid. Bless your holy name, Father. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen. The purpose of grace and forgiveness is not that we have a quote unquote get out of jail card to play whenever we proceed with some sin. The purpose of grace and forgiveness is that our dastardly, wicked, evil, iniquitous, heinous, diabolical, vicious, murderous, dark, rotten, nefarious, vile, foul, shocking, atrocious, outrageous, despicable, corrupt, sordid, unscrupulous sin. The purpose of grace and forgiveness is that our sins can be wiped up and tossed away so that we can live a new life in Christ through the powerful, sanctifying, consecrating work of Holy Spirit. Listen. Those who think that it is okay to sin just because they expect God to forgive them have another thing coming. We better think again. An easy breezy lemon squeezy attitude toward sin results from an inadequate experience of what Paul refers to as godly sorrow. Listen to what he says over here in 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Amen. One problem with sin is that it impairs our ability to live the powerful, intimate, spirit-filled life 
indwelt with the power of God. That's what sin does to us, beloved. The prescription for cleansing is found in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Confess means to agree with or to speak the same thing as. What it means is that I am to say the same about my sin as God says. Mm -hmm. Again, the wages of sin is death. We Listen, we must come into agreement with holy God that without Christ, we are nothing more than filthy, wretched, lying sinners on our way straight to a burning hell, being, being tormented in these flames as we await the final judgment. In my opinion, that lake of fire is going to make hell look like a picnic because hell and death itself will also be thrown into the lake of fire. Oh, beloved, hell is not something we want to play with. Mm -mm. All liars, the Lord Jesus says, all liars shall have their part in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. Listen to what he says over here. What is this? Where are we at? John 5. Starting in verse 24. The Lord says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the person who hears my word, the one who heeds my message and believes and trusts in him who sent me, has possesses now eternal life. That is, eternal life actually begins. The believer is transformed and does not come into judgment and condemnation, but has passed over from death into life. Listen, in verse 25, because he's about to talk about the two resurrections. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, a time is coming and is here now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For just as the Father has life in himself and is self-existent, even so, he has given to the Son to have life in himself and be self-existent. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is a Son of Man, sinless humanity, qualifying him to sit in judgment over mankind. Amen. Do not be surprised at this verse 28, John 
when I say John 5. Do not be surprised at this, for a time is coming when all those who are in the tombs will hear his voice, and they will come out. Those who did good things will come out to a resurrection of new life, but those who did evil things will come out to a resurrection of judgment. That is, to be sentenced. Amen. Oh, beloved, look at here. Okay. I don't care what anyone got to say. If we are not living a life of righteousness in Christ, being led by his Holy Spirit, we will all likewise perish. So, with that being said, because... Some people have the mindset that they will live it up before they die. They will return to God, repent, and be saved. A huge, Listen, a huge problem with living in sin and thinking that you will repent and turn to God right before the end. The problem with that is that we don't know when the end will be. Listen, a person could be a person could be the healthiest person in the world and still die in the middle of the night or get hit by a car on their way to work. It is much better to be always ready to meet God. Why? Why? Because we don't know when we will die. Oh, beloved. Listen, in closing, okay, I'm going to leave us with Galatians. Let us read chapter 5 of Galatians, okay. Paul was saying, by the Holy Spirit, it was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery which you once removed amen again beloved see he is talking to those jews who were under the law but now that we are in christ they are no longer under a yoke of slavery. And the message for us today is that we ain't got no business even participating in one of the 613 laws of Moses. We are not commanded, instructed, required to follow any of the laws under the Old Testament. It wasn't for Gentiles anyway. So I don't know why these wolves in sheep's clothing are teaching anything about the law, namely tithing. And then and then they will drag you over to the Old Covenant and proof text scriptures about blessings when you tithe when you bring God money stop robbing God and all of this twisting 
of those Old Testament scriptures. That's another rant for another day. Paul is saying, okay, in verse 2, Galatians 5, notice, it is I, Paul, who tells you that if you receive circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation, well, Christ will be of no benefit to you. For you will lack the faith in Christ that is necessary for salvation. Amen. Once more, I solemnly affirm to every man who receives circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation. See, beloved, again, this is what Paul had to deal with. People still wanted the Gentiles to be circumcised, which was a requirement, a ritual under the old covenant. And he's trying to get their minds on faith in Jesus and not on any works of the law. So, he says in verse 3, Once more, I solemnly affirm to every man who who receives circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation, that he is under obligation and required to keep the whole law. Amen. Paul is like, look, listen, you keep one of them laws. You are obligated to keep all of them. And you see, this is what's so dangerous about anybody trying to put you up under the law in order to have blessings from God, receive money from God, receive all of this material, tangible blessings from God because you bring him money. Paul is like, listen, bottom line, you keep any one of them laws, You must keep them all. Otherwise, you are under the curse. You're not under the curse, beloved, because you don't tithe. You are under the curse of God because you do tithe because you're not keeping the other 612. I know what you have been indoctrinated with. Oh, we must tithe. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, you know something? People hold on to that dogma of tithing as if it it can literally save their lives. Now listen, if you want to give financially to anyone, any church, any charitable organization, give. But do not let anyone put you under the threat of God is going to get you and you going straight to hell that you must give 10%. That's the problem. Nobody is saying that you can't give. Give with a cheerful, willing heart without compulsion, without being told that you must. No, no, no. That God commands, that God commands you give 10% of your income and that how he's going to bless 
the other 90%. And let me tell you, that false doctrine has shipwrecked many in their faith because they put more faith in a dime rather than Christ Jesus. And do you think the Father is pleased with this? Because let's be clear, the money is not going to God. The money is going to the bishop and his first lady so that they can continue in their lavish, abundant lifestyle. Meanwhile, you're still coming up to the apostate church on the bus, hoping and praying that this week God is going to bless you. And the fact that he hasn't is because you don't have enough faith. So say the bishop. Oh, beloved, listen, Paul was dealing with this madness then. And look what's happening in the modern church today. Mm-hmm. So he was saying right in verse three that if you keep one of those laws, well, you are under obligation and required to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ if you seek to be justified. That is declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty and placed in right standing with God through the law. Well, you have fallen from grace. For you have lost your grasp on God's unmerited favor and blessing. Verse 5. For we... Not relying on the law, but through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit by faith. Are waiting confidently for the hope of righteousness, the completion of our salvation. Amen. That will be eternal life. Verse 6. Where I say we'll be at? Galatians 5. For if we are in Christ Jesus, right, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but only faith activated and expressed and working through love. Amen. So Paul was giving these Galatians the big business because in verse 7, He's like, you were running the race well. Who has interfered and prevented you from obeying the truth? Paul is like, what's your problem? (laughs) He's like, what's your problem? You were doing so well. Who done came in here with the foolishness? And now got all of you all twisted and turned around from obeying the truth. Uh Uh-huh. He says in verse 8, This deceptive persuasion is not from him who called you to freedom in Christ. A little leaven, a slight inclination to error, or a few false teachers leavens the whole batch, 
it perverts the concept of faith and misleads the church. Oh, yes, it does, Paul. Yes, it does. He was like, in verse 10, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view contrary to mine on the matter, but the one who is disturbing you, whoever he is, will have to bear the penalty. But as for me, brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, as I had done before I met Christ, and as some accuse me of doing now as necessary for salvation, why am I still being persecuted by Jews? Huh? Paul is like, listen, if I was still preaching circumcision, just like how, because he don't forget, Paul was a Pharisee. His own testimony is that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, okay? Paul was a very scholarly man where it came to the law. And so he's like, if he was still preaching circumcision, meaning preaching the law, as he has done before he met Christ, because, see, some of them... <laughs> were accusing him of still preaching the law. Yeah, 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 whatever. And so he's like, well, if I am still preaching the law, then why am I still being persecuted by the Jews? Mm-hmm. He's saying the fact that he is preaching grace that's why he's coming under heavy persecution. Paul was not preaching the law. And we have some apostates today twisting Paul's words to mean that we still keep some of the law. No, we don't. First of all, I don't know what part of you are not studying the scriptures, but the law was not even given to us Gentiles. You are not a Jew in the, in the lineage of Abraham. You're not. You want to be, but you're not. So all of these Torah keepers, they can have several seats. Because what they are doing, claiming Jesus' name, but yet trying to trying to tell you because they ain't telling me okay that in order to be truly saved saved that we must adhere to the first five books of the bible called the torah no we do not the old covenant was for israel only Going to the scriptures is in there. If I had, and I don't got my my list on me, but I have scriptures that say how Gentiles did not have the law. We had our conscience to know what was good and what was evil. And by that, we will be judged by. But in Christ, 
we now have grace that someone to abuse. Oh, beloved. Listen. Where are we at? Uh-huh. Where did I leave off at? See, y'all? Y'all just be getting me on these tangents. Okay. We were... We were at verse 11. Because he was like, then why am I still being persecuted by the Jews? In that case, the stumbling block of the cross to unbelieving Jews has been abolished. I wish those who are troubling you by teaching that circumcision is necessary for salvation would even go all the way and castrate themselves. Amen. I'm telling you, Paul was on a tear. For you, verse 13, Galatians 5, my brothers were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, selfishness, but through love, seek and serve and seek the best for one another. Amen. See, Paul, just like Peter, is telling us, do not use this freedom we have in, in Christ for an opportunity for the sinful nature. We have been set free from the bondage of sin, beloved. For the whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in one precept, one teaching. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. But if you bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out. That you along with your entire fellowship are not consumed by one another. Amen. Beloved, I'm going over Galatians 5. Namely, to come here to verse 16. Because see, Paul is saying this. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to his guidance. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature. Amen. See, beloved, Paul gave us a key that we are to be responsive to Holy Spirit's guidance. Not grieving him, not bucking up against sanctification, not not trying to see how much sin you can get away with all the while trying to pull on grace to do it. Rather than being grateful that we do have grace, that if we miss the mark, God is gracious, he is faithful and just, he is righteous. To get us back on the right track. Whether that means sometimes a discipline. Sometimes he may need to chasten us. 
but we can't keep on living like we ain't got no spiritual sins. Claiming the name. Oh, beloved. Paul says, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. And we will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. See, that's what the sinful nature does. It don't care what God has to say. That old flesh man don't give a hoot. About God being righteous and you being holy. Not at all. No. No regard whatsoever. For the sinful nature has its desire which is opposed to the spirit. And the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two. The sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other continually in conflict so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do but if see this is what I love about verse 18 because many people go well you know the spirit and the old the old flesh man is always at war. So you know. We all sin. Don't you sin? You mean tell me. You don't ever sin? This is not about. You don't ever sin. It's about. <clears throat> wanting to please the father. Because you see. That's truly the mindset. Of, of his children. How can we please the father? How how can I show my my brother and sister in Christ even more love without expecting anything in return. See, that's our mindset. Our mindset is not trying to test God and see how much sin I can get away with before he hurls me into the lake of fire. Oh, beloved, let us not live in deception. So... He says in verse 18, Galatians 5, But if you are guided and led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Because mm-hmm. see, beloved, that's right, Holy Spirit. The law is made for those who break God's holy commandments. So if you are not in Christ, you are a transgressor, a, a, a transgressor, of God's laws. That's what the law is for. And so. Here we are. Verse 19. He's about to give us the works of the flesh. Now. The practices. A.K.A. Lifestyle. Right. Of the sinful nature. Which by the way. Was crucified with Christ. Lest we forget. The practices, a.k.a. lifestyles, of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are fornication, which is sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, which is what? 
total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery. Yup, that inc that includes we smoking, pill popping, taking drugs, being, as they say, a druggie. Uh-uh, that's sin. Hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, uh, factions that promote heresies, mm -hmm. envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior. That's just reckless. That's that's just straight out the botry. You are out of control. Mm-mm. And other things like these, I warn you beforehand. Because, see, this ain't the first time Paul is telling them about this. He's like, I told you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, hallelujah, of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us is love which is what unselfish concern for others joy inner peace patience not the ability to wait but how we act while waiting what else kindness goodness faithfulness oh beloved are you being faithful gentleness and self-control Against such things there is no law. And those, listen, see. If I ever wanted you to come over here to Galatians 5, it is really because of verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites oh here we go if we claim okay if we claim to live by the holy spirit well we must also walk by the spirit with what personal integrity godly character and moral courage our conduct and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 26. The last verse. We must not become conceited, challenging, or provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. See, verse 26 is talking about our relationship with one another. We shouldn't become high-minded, conceited, challenging and and provoking you it's one thing to provoke you where sin and you better stop it is concerned but it should be no reason for us to intentionally keep poking at you and just finding every little thing that's wrong with you it challenging you and god forbid envying one another what that's how we used to be when we were in the world. But in Christ, we are to love one another. And sometimes that love may come in a rebuke, a correction, 
a teaching, but it is still in love. Why? We don't want to see one another perish. So it is love to tell someone to repent, to stop, turn, and go the other way. Think about how you are living your life. Are you living a, a crucified, sanctified life in Christ? Paul says, examine yourself. Examine yourself where you are in the faith. Because listen, yes, Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to let you all go. Let me just say this. Paul never taught once saved, always saved. We are talking about the man. As they say, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Even Paul, who went out as an apostle called by Jesus himself, he was concerned about being disqualified. That's why he says he said that he keep his body under subjection. He don't let anything control him. Not at all. Why? Because he didn't want to become a castaway having preached the gospel. So if we have eternal security, why was Paul so concerned about being a castaway? None of us can can claim that we lived a life like Paul. Not that Paul lived in sinless perfection. It is clear Jesus had his hand on Paul, just like he has his hand on all of us. Paul got the memo, and he gave us the memo that if we continue to do these things, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Enough said for now, beloved. Repent and believe. Praise God. That he did not kill us while we were knee deep in our filth. Thank, thank God that he did not snatch us out of these body suits while we were still fornicating, still committing adultery, still lying and stealing and cutting up, still being licentious, still being, trying to be nice here, a harlot, a tramp, a gigolo. Thank God for his mercy that he grants us each and every day another opportunity to live a life that is reflective of our truly turning of our mindset that we that we made a decisive act to place our faith in Jesus Christ no longer do we want to live a sinful life but a clean holy peaceful life in the Lord 
being available to do whatever he calls us to do is a good thing to be a part of this kingdom. Now, maintain, maintain your position in Christ. Don't go back out there into the world. Don't buy the lie that you can live however you want and you still get to go to heaven. You still get to inherit his kingdom. That's a lie, beloved. We must live clean and holy. We must remain abiding in Christ Jesus, sticking to him like glue. Loving him only, serving the Father only. And come out. From out of these apostate denominational churches that is rife with heresy and doctrines of devils. Oh, beloved, be well. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bless the Lord. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye